Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of a live stream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thanks so much for joining me this morning. My name is Melvin Gaines, and well, you wish you could just be here to see what goes on here before we go on the air. Uh, <laughs> that's just gonna, you're just gonna have to come here and find out. <laughs> but in the meantime, we're gonna go ahead and get started with a little bit of uh, music, uh, worship music to get us going here. Monique Walker is singing the song Second Chance, and it's a beautiful song. So we'll play that and allow everyone to get settled in here while we get ready for Sunday school. Thank you for being here this morning. Ronnie, good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. Appreciate you being here. We're on the air. Can they hear you? I don't know. It depends on how loud you talk. <laughs> it's okay. You know. Pardon me? They can hear me. I'm on a microphone. Yeah, don't say anything strange. Don't cause a ruckus. <laughs> All the conversation here is above board and godly. Always remember that. Exactly right. Good morning, good morning, everybody. Allow people to get settled in, no problem. Melvin Gaines, good morning. Delia, good morning. Thank you for being here. Perhaps see you guys in a week, right? Check one thing. Thank you so much for being here. Good morning, Brother Roscoe. Just a reminder for everyone in the audience, I can see some names come up online and some I can't, but if I see you, I'm going to say hello if, if we're not into Sunday school, so good morning. Appreciate you being here. Okay. Okay. That confirms what I wanted to see. Very good. Amen. He is worthy of our praise. Jackie, good morning. Coffee time. Thanks again to uh, Arlen and the, uh, the worship team for the music selections on Sunday morning. They're great. 
We figured out how to stay on the air, and now it's working out beautifully. <laughs> Amen. Thanks for being here this morning. Wish we had some of that uh, Florida weather here this morning. It's just going to stay cool for a while. jacket that's right Okay, that was uh, Monique Walker and Second Chance. I have to edit that down only because we it goes on a little bit longer than that. And we don't uh, we want to get into the announcements, which we have a few of, and and of course Sunday school. But uh, Monique Walker, Second Chance, and uh, we appreciate um, uh, your being here this morning. And thanks again to Arlen for the music. We let's do some announcements here while we get before we get started. First of all. Um, uh, Pastor Gus will be presenting the message today in church. Uh, for those of you online, uh, you stay online on the Akron Alliance Fellowship timeline right here. And at 11 o'clock, you'll see our uh, service uh, broadcast live uh, from here. And you can uh, catch his message. That'll be about 11 o'clock. Uh, so look for that at that time. Uh, we do have uh, later today, uh, as part of our announcements, a Zoom Bible study. We're in the book of Luke. And we will be picking up, I believe, in Luke chapter 15 in that area. And we uh, will be online at 5 o'clock. We mailed out, uh, we emailed out all of the announcements um, for the, or, I'm sorry, the invitations for the Bible study last night at 10 o'clock. So look in your email. You'll see it. Uh, it's already out there. I didn't know if I would have time to do it today. So I went ahead and did those last night at 11 o'clock. And I'll, make, I'll also put that online for those who are not catching this. But your invitation is there. Just join us at 5 o'clock Eastern Time. And we appreciate you doing that. If you, do, if you want to participate in the Zoom Bible study and you have not received an invitation from me, you would need to send me your email address uh, and say that you're interested in participating. And I'll make sure that you get an invitation. It's free of charge. It doesn't cost anything. And as a reminder, too, for those of you, you don't have to worry about being on camera with the Zoom Bible study. They... You can actually call in and be a participant as well on the Zoom Bible study with your regular touch-tone phone. Um, and you can participate that way as well, too. So um, just a reminder of that. So for those of you who would like to participate and want to be involved, and, and if you can, you, you can do so. That'd be great. If you can't, that's fine, too. We'll just put your name on the list for future uh, Zoom Bible studies or any other Bible study we do that way. So that's coming up at 5 o'clock later today at 5 o'clock Eastern Time. A reminder about Open Mic Sunday School, we uh, made an announcement about this very briefly last week, and we are uh, asking individuals who would like to uh, have a Sunday school, or lead a Sunday school lesson, that they can do so, uh, on, and we're doing it on the fifth Sundays right now, so next Sunday is the fifth Sunday. So if you are interested in being involved with a Zoom, or pardon me, a, an Open Mic Sunday School, participating in Sunday school, let me know, and I will make sure that you are involved. Now, what we're doing, we're not doing them necessarily online. We're doing them here locally, here in the church. So um, that's, the, that's the premise of this. So those of you who are in Akron, uh, who are involved here, that you can participate if you want to do so. If the Lord, you believe the Lord is giving you um, a calling to uh, preside over and learn more about uh, Sunday school or learn more about teaching, that's, that's the whole premise of this. You're welcome to participate and be involved in that. We are asking for people to step up and, and do so. Um, 
I guess Pastor Gus is making sure that I don't burn myself out. I'm not really worried about burning myself out right now. I'm good, but uh, but we do want to encourage people to come in and try to teach Sunday school. So uh, let me know if you want to do that, and we can make arrangements for you to uh, be right here, uh, where I'm sitting right now and teaching the group here uh, in the church as well, too. And, but you don't have to be on camera. That's right. We, we'll make a provision that there will be something available online for those who uh, would like to get a Sunday school lesson. We'll have that done. If I know ahead of time, I can prepare that. Um, it's real simple. So we appreciate you uh, giving that consideration as well, too. And I do want to mention uh, Miss Laura, who is in now at a rehab in, at an assisted living rehab facility, uh, Pebble Creek, down in Akron. Well, south, it's it's off of uh, Arlington Road. It's in that area too. If you look up Pebble Creek uh, facility, you'll find it. Uh, that's where it is. But that's where she is, and um, she was there. We, uh, Lynn and I, visited her the other day. That was her first day there. So she had just gotten out of the hospital. But she is, of course, in a recovery mode, might be recovering for about two to four weeks. We'll see how it goes, uh, getting back on her feet. So praise the Lord that she's alive. Amen. Well, let's start with that. I mean, after an accident like that, you don't know what to expect. Um, but she's doing okay, and um, she is going to be at uh, the rehab facility for about two to four weeks approximately. We'll see how it goes. So just keep her in prayer as well, too, as far as her recovery is concerned. No pain, by the way. She's not in any pain, which is also very good, too. Okay, so that is, uh, those are the announcements for today. And now we are going to get into Sunday school. We're going to look at, we're continuing in the book of John. You know, we've done over 30 of these lessons um, I, I, in the book of John. I, I, it's amazing how time has gone by, uh, but we're now in... Uh, the book of John, chapter 11, we're going to cover verses 1 through 16. And for the purposes of this lesson here, this is actually uh, one of the more climactic events in uh, Jesus' ministry, of course, because we're going to be spending the most, the vast majority of this chapter in chapter 11 has to do with uh, Lazarus. Um, Lazarus being sick and Lazarus dying. And there's going to be a very deliberate dialogue that we're going to look at here about what is taking place and all of the emotional upheaval that's taking place as well, too. So I want you to uh, see that as we go along. You'll, you'll kind of get the picture of that. This is one of those uh, lessons where you can, you can go deep into it or you can, do, uh, you can just do a, a, a brief sketch of this and and move on, but honestly, there's there's a lot in between that we really need to look at here. We really need to look at the number of people involved. We've got interactions with the different characters that are per, uh, mentioned here in the study, and I want to make sure that we cover those as accurately as possible. So, John chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. So, what we'll be doing now as we get ready to uh, prepare our hearts for what the Holy Spirit is has to say, because truly I want the Spirit to speak and not just me. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, we are just so thankful that you are present in our lives. We are thankful that, Lord, you are here to teach us. Just show us, Lord, the knowledge, the wisdom that you want to understand from the teachings of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your presence this morning. We thank you for what you do for us each day. Lord, we have learned over time that the more we are into your word, the more that we learn from your word. We don't, we, we don't become experts per se because there's always something that you have to say to us. And Lord, we just want to have open hearts and minds to be able to hear you speak. We thank you, Lord, for showing us, frankly, how much you love us and how much you care about us. And we just want to give you praise and thanks for how you indeed do care for us. Bless us and keep us, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everyone. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 11, looking at verses 1 through 16. And this is one of those Sunday school lessons. I've, I've got pages and pages of notes, literally. And it, you, 
the danger is to over-prepare and over-talk about certain things. But we're not going to do that because that always freaks me out. <laughs> I don't like doing that. This is too much information. Um, but I, I do want to encourage everyone uh, in, the, in this room and as well as listening audience, it's really a good idea for you to pick up a commentary or two. I'm pretty sure that Brother Beecher's got commentaries. Uh, I think he has stacks of commentaries that he carries on his shoulder, you know, all the time, and just to go back and look at the word and all that. So he, <laughs> he but but he has, but 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 the commentaries ha- add value to a study because there are certain things that when we look at the various commentators and and, and these are people who are 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 very very d- deeply steeped into the word. And some of the commentaries may agree, some may disagree, but the bottom line is that what does a commentary do? It gives you food for thought. It gives you food for thought. It gives you greater understanding. And those commentaries are there because those people were appointed by God to put those commentaries there for you to look at them. So you have to recognize that um, we, we want to encourage you to deepen your study. That's the whole point of investigating God's Word. Not just sitting and reading it, but investigating it. So that's the whole premise of why I'm saying all that. And I appreciate you allowing me to do that. So what we're going to do, let's go ahead and read through John 11, verses 1 through 16. I read from the New Living Translation, as always, only because it it reads very beautifully. It flows nicely. Many of you have Bibles that are New King James, King James, uh, ESV. That's fine. You can do that. Just try to follow along in your version. Let's start with verse 1, John chapter 11. Uh, A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Verse 4, But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Remember that verse. Let's continue. Verse 5. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Verse 8. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are twelve hours of daylight every day. During the day people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Verse 11, then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. Verse 12, the disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. Verse 14, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Verse 16, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. Okay, that's verses 1 through 16 in in John chapter 11. You have to understand that I'm breaking this up because I don't want to cover too much in one week. We we have to kind of cover it this way because this is just the beginning of the dialogue about Lazarus and he in fact has died now and there is communication that's taking place between Jesus and Mary and Martha and the disciples. It sets the stage for what's taking place. And it sets the tone. And we have to understand something that's important to look at in this particular study. And that the reality is, is that sickness is a part of our world. Amen? People get sick. People are well. People will be, have illnesses. And... It will even affect, of course, you know, believers, just like non-believers. We're not immune to illness. Those things occur. And we want to make sure that even if illness is the case or sickness is the case, 
we want to make sure that we recognize the importance of Jesus in our lives during those times. Um, we want to make sure that uh, we recognize that Jesus is the strength that we have during those moments when we're weak physically. And we recognize that what he does for us is that he ministers to us, ministers to our spirit. He takes care of us. He gives us what we need. He delivers us. Um, and that's something that we have to keep in mind here too. Let me take a look here and see if I want to use this passage. Uh, it's rather it's rather long, but let me let me go. Yeah, let's go to Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Second Corinthians twelve. Now. We're going to look at Paul here, and we're going to look at, if you have a Bible that has headings, my Bible has a heading on this section that says, Paul's visions and his thorn. His thorn. Verse 1, 2 Corinthians 12. Follow along, please. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. This is a reminder for all of us who are in ministry to remain humble. Stay humble. Verse 7, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud... Now this is this is how God is dealing directly with Paul. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Remember he said each time. He asked three times. And each time God came back with that answer. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Okay. So what are we learning here about when there's illness, sickness? Let's even break it down. You know, the things that we go through as a people, right? Um, anxiety, depression, chronic pain, just various illnesses. Some illnesses are longer than others, obviously. And some illnesses will eventually will bring you to death. What's the lesson here? We go to God. We pray for healing. We pray for reasoning. We pray for understanding. But what he's telling us is very true in this passage. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. That's exactly why I said earlier that many of us in ministry need to have humble hearts. Because if we don't have humble hearts, guess what happens? We find out or think we're more important than what we really are. We elevate ourselves above the message of Jesus Christ. We elevate ourselves above the gospel if because we were given certain things by the Lord or certain gifts or talents that we think that those things are special. And so then that's when we're... Our, that's when we start, our ego gets in the way. Our ego should never get in the way of speaking about the truth of Jesus Christ. And that's, I believe, what Paul is sharing here. Paul was given insight to many very wonderful things. But we also know that, you know, Paul was going to meet an end eventually. And we have to recognize that he is doing it because he loves the Lord, he wants to serve the Lord. He had a pain. He had a thorn. 
which was never really revealed. The people can speculate about what that thorn was. Obviously, it was something that was chronic. It was a chronic issue. But every time, God answered him in the manner that Paul understands. My grace is sufficient for you. My power works best in weakness because Paul is acknowledging without that thorn, he would have been unchecked. He would have boasted about what he experienced. Something that no one else was able to experience. The lesson for us here is that we want to make sure that we recognize God is to be glorified in the midst of our physical weaknesses. We consider ourselves to be blessed that we're able to be alive. Amen. We're alive and awake and we're moving about. He gives us the ability to do those very things. And we've got aches and pains. We've got stuff we have to deal with. Amen? We have stuff we have to deal with. Okay. So let's consider the fact that that's one of the things here we need to recognize. Lazarus, very much loved by Jesus, loved by Mary and Martha, uh, a man of the Lord, was sick and was going to die. Now, understand, go back, I want you to go back to verse, let's go back to the top, read down again. John chapter 11, verse 1, just for the flow of things here. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. Why do you think John pointed that out? That's just kind of a little footnote. I think he wants you to see the type of relationship that Mary and Martha had with Jesus. And it's not the only time we read about Mary and Martha. And so we have to recognize that too. They were very close. And Mary loved Jesus. So much so that he wanted, she wanted to make it a point to make sure that um, she showed appreciation for who Jesus was. Verse 3, So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Verse 5, So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, that's a deliberate act. He, he wanted to stay behind because he wanted to have Lazarus die for the purposes of one of the great miracles in Jesus' Jesus's existence. There was a testimony waiting to happen. He's telling us this in verse 4. Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. He did die, but it didn't end in death. It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. I was reading something in one area where some people are skeptical, skeptical as to the miracles of Jesus. So, honestly, if you're skeptical as to you know, these things actually taking place, then you know, I don't want to jump on anybody that believes those things, but at the end of the day, if we're saying that God's word is true, why are we questioning whether or not something like this happened? Because you can't conceptualize it yourself? We personalize a lot of things sometimes. We look at, the, look at what is in Scripture and we make conclusions that we just don't have any foundation for. If Jesus is making testimonies, if Jesus is bringing people to him because of the very miracles that he performs then that's fine by me. But it also says in the word, you know, for those who are always skeptical, blessed are those who have faith and have not seen, who believe the testimony of Jesus, even without the evidence of miracles. And if you go back to verse 6 in John 11, we're making emphasis to that because he loved Lazarus he loves Mary and Martha. 
he stayed behind. He wanted Lazarus to pass on because there was a testimony coming about his saving power that he wanted to show not just to Mary and Martha, but even to the disciples, which we'll see later on here. All of the witnesses that would take place when Lazarus was going to be raised. There's going to be a crowd of people that are there. There are going to be a bunch of people who are mourning and having conversation about Lazarus dying. And, you know, some murmuring, how come Jesus didn't get here fast enough? Because Jesus is here to show us exactly what he was trying to accomplish. Now, after a couple of days, he sat tight and we recognize that God is the one who is going to show his greatness in this whole process. We have to have faith and trust in him. We don't understand why someone gets sick and dies. We don't understand how these things happen at times. And some deaths come very quickly. Some deaths linger after illness. But what I think is trying to be conveyed here that's really important for us to see here is that God's presence and His plan are going to continue through all of that. And sometimes God's purpose in allowing someone to pass on is to bring people closer to him. And that's a hard thing to swallow sometimes, but that's exactly what happens. You know, when people go to funerals, and all of us have been to a funeral, amen? All of us know what a funeral is like. We know what's taking place. And some of those funerals are can be very joyous occasions because we know that the person who passed on is going to be with the Lord. And some of those funerals are going to be situations where it's up for grabs. The person in the casket may not have made a declaration, right? So now, who's left? It's the family members. It's the friends. It's the people who are in the midst at this so-called celebration of life. What's left for them? It's up to them to make a decision. Where is God in all of this? Where is Jesus in all of this? I know that um, my lovely bride's dad and his funeral, that was one of those um, moments in time that you'll never get back again because literally like several worlds crossed over at that time. Um, A person from my job showed up to give honor to uh, Lynn's dad. Several people from Lynn's job showed up. Several The skating friends showed up. Uh, people from the Kappas showed up. Um, am I leaving somebody out? Pardon me? Oh, your, your ex-husband. Yeah, her ex-husband showed up. And we talk about a, a bunch of worlds crossing over, right? And the testimony was still all the same. Those people all needed Jesus. they all needed Jesus they all needed the Lord they needed to learn that and that's what was spoken of during the funeral the testimony is still yet to be made as long as the heart is bathed in the light of God's presence you can't mistake what he's doing in these situations and God knew Jesus knew excuse me that he had to go back to Bethany But he did so in spite of the warning that was given by the disciples. Go back to verse 7. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected, Rabbi. They said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Well, Jesus was going to go back anyway. But one thing we need to keep in mind here. Even though the people were threatening to stone him, even though these Pharisees who fully well knew that Jesus had performed these miracles, even though they fully well knew that he was declaring himself to be the Son of God, the Messiah, Jesus had control over that situation. He wasn't fearful about being stoned again because it wasn't time. 
Who controls the time factor here on when Jesus would go to the cross? Well, Jesus does. He, he is in complete control. We have to understand something. Jesus allowed for these Pharisees to fester and want to get rid of him. But remember, he walked right through them when they were picking up stones. He walked right past them. He moved. He disappeared before their eyes. They couldn't do anything with him. Because Jesus knew that he would go to the cross when it was time for him to go. He's going to be safe. He wasn't worried about anything happening to him. And we appreciate the fact that the sisters, Mary and Martha, they believed that if Jesus had gotten there earlier, he would have kept Lazarus alive. But that wasn't going to be the end result of the testimony here. They believed it. They were assured of it. And they saw or knew of the things that Jesus was doing up until that point. But Jesus had something else planned for that moment. It's interesting that the faith of Mary and Martha almost seemed to surpass those of the disciples at that time. Giving you a comparative here. And that's going to be alluded to later on in this passage. Let's, let's read verse 8 again. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? I wonder how they're really looking at who Jesus is right now. I think they look at Jesus as, as that prophet, maybe. They look at him as a teacher. They certainly believe he's a teacher. He says great things. And they've seen him perform a number of miracles. How are they processing him? Where is their faith compared to Mary and Martha right now? And, of course, when we look at... Go back to verse 4. I'm sorry for jumping around. don't want to do that. But... She is, communi- she is Mary or Martha are communicating with Jesus, but Jesus is saying Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So, we're looking at a trial that's taking place, a test of faith. There's a test of faith with Mary and Martha. There's a test of faith with the disciples. That's where the interaction is here. And any trial a believer faces can ultimately bring glory to God because God can bring good out of any bad situation. Take a look at Genesis 50. Genesis 50. I think it's important to emphasize these things. And you can almost take what's being said here by Joseph as be very similar to what Jesus is going through. Look at what Joseph is saying here. You remember, Joseph was left for dead and was moved to a place where he indeed was now the second in command over Egypt and was able to get the nation of Egypt and all those who were involved with Um, of course the family the family members of his family as well too when they came to Egypt they were able to be rescued they were able to be saved with food and nourishment in spite of the drought conditions in spite of the famine conditions look what he says in verse 20 you intended to harm me but God intended it all for good he brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Wow, that's a powerful statement right there. You could almost take Jesus and put him and you say those very same words. You intended to harm me, speaking to those who wanted to put him to death. 
But God intended it all for good because He went to the cross for us. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. And when we take those words and translate them to what Jesus is doing right here, He knew He was going to the cross. And He knew that there were people who intended to kill Him. But God intended it all for good because of what? Eternal life. Salvation for those who believe and trust in Him. Has Jesus not been the reason why many people are saved today? Even though those tried to persecute Him, take Him out, wipe Him out, they didn't want to lose their authority, they didn't want to lose their power. It was all intended for good. Now, I want to mention something else too that's really important for us as believers. Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have to make that distinction because there's non-believers who may have a different response. When trouble comes, do you grumble or complain about it? Do you fuss? Do you blame God? Do you see your problems as not problems, but opportunities? Even though trouble happens and stuff happens in our lives, we have a choice, don't we? We have a choice on how we respond to them. Just like Joseph had a choice. Now, Joseph, I guarantee you, Joseph wasn't happy all the time. I mean, he was in prison, for goodness sake. He was falsely accused. I mean, if anybody had a reason to complain about stuff, it was Joseph. And if anybody has a reason to complain, it was about Jesus. It was Jesus, too. He had reasons, too. But he chose not to do those things because he had a much greater purpose. When you recognize that you have a greater purpose in life, There comes a point where you say, it is well with my soul. My grace is sufficient for you. And the disciples are going to are learn this lesson. So we recognize that as well too. Let's go back to verse 9, John chapter 11. Time is flying. <laughs> my arms are tired. John chapter 11, verse 9. Jesus replied, There are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. What is he referring to here? Daylight symbolizes the knowledge of God's will. God's will. Knowing what God's will is. Every believer should always be prayerful to know what God's will is for their lives. God's will. That's the daylight. You're relying on God's will. You're relying upon following that path. Things that we've talked about here. Walking in faith, running in faith, following a path. God's will for your life. That's what you should always be in tune to. Night is the absence of this knowledge. Night is relying on your own way of thinking, your own way of reasoning. You're in the dark. What happens when you're in the dark in a room? Well, the natural inclination is to turn on a light, if you can turn on the light, but I've got to get to that light switch. What if that light switch is in the middle of the room? You have to pull down on the <laughs> you have to pull down on something to turn the light on. In the meantime, you're fumbling around because you can't see something. You might stub your toe. You might hurt yourself. You might fall down. It's one of the worst feelings in the world. You're in the dark. You can't see. But that's how a lot of people live their lives. A lot of people live their lives really not being able to see what God has for them, what, what, is, in, what is necessary for them to, frankly, be obedient to Him, be in His will. 
When we move ahead in darkness, we're likely to stumble. My lovely bride and I, lately in our, in our quest to continue to make sure that we're watching television that is not so doggone serious all the time, uh, she turns on America's Funniest Home Videos at night. And we see people all the time doing pratfalls. They're always falling down. They're stumbling over something. They're going to they're try and do something clever and they wind up misstepping, jumping over furniture, doing weird things. And we have to trust that they haven't murdered themselves in the process, that these are on the air because they didn't kill themselves, right? And they're funny to watch. But they also remind us, though, that if not for the grace of God, where would we be? There's a lesson in everything, everybody. <laughs> Even when you're watching people falling down and, and oh, I'm sorry, you know, seeing dog videos and stuff like that. Oh, but there's a lesson in everything. We know good and well that we would not be where we are today if it were not for Jesus. And that's important for us to see. All right, I'm going to hustle along here because I'm philosophizing a little bit. So verse 11, John 11, verse 11. Then he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But now we'll go and wake him up. Now this is again, John makes it a point to look at it. There's two different conversations going on here. There literally are two different conversations. The disciples are saying one thing, Jesus is saying another. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I will now go, now I will go and wake him up. Verse 12, the disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. Then they thought, they thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now look at what he says here at the end. This is really important for us to see here. And for your sakes, he's only talking to the disciples. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. He's tell John is telling us in this writing, the disciples are still have hardened hearts. They've seen Jesus' miracles. They've seen him feed the 5,000. But even then it referred to the fact that they still didn't get it to recognize who Jesus really was. Remember, it was, who do people say I am? But, you know, eventually, uh, Peter says, you're the son of living God. Well, he, why is he the only one to say that? God revealed it to him. God revealed it to him. And just because Peter said it, doesn't mean that the others were getting it. They still had to learn. For your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. And again, two different conversations because they had just talked about, are you going back to Judea where they're trying to stone you? So Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus because they felt, well, he's just going to go back there and get stoned or whatever it is and that'll be the end of that. But they were willing to die with him. Yeah, he was great but they still had to learn more about who Jesus was. Because remember, Thomas had the encounter later on after the resurrection. I'm not going to believe until I see Jesus in front of me, hands with holes in them, the, the side of him with the, the gash that had taken place, you see, there's this process that's taking place the entire time where Jesus is teaching his disciples about who he truly is. And only when the Spirit was left for them, when Jesus brought to them the Holy Spirit, that's when it all started to kick in for them. We have to trust that Thomas's words were accurate. Yeah, he was willing to die for him. And, of course, in John chapter 20, verse 25, we'll get to that later in the study, we'll see Thomas... But they were courageous. They did love Jesus, but they still were trying to get a grasp as to who he truly was. Well, that's my take on it. I'm sure others will have their own takes. But to me, John is telling us in verse 15, 
Now you're going to really believe when you see what's coming. Well, that stands to reason they really weren't believing. They still were trying to get it. Where are you in all of this? Who is Jesus to you? Is he indeed Lord and Savior of your life? Are you living in such a manner where you're not, you're just living, but not living for him? We can all learn from this. Lazarus' death was a way for Jesus to show his ultimate power to bring someone back from the dead. The resurrection, Jesus, when he died, if we don't have a resurrection, we don't have this. No reason to be involved in doing this. If we don't have a resurrection of Jesus, no reason to be doing this at all. It would be a terrible thing if we were worshiping a dead so-called Savior. But thankfully, we are worshiping a living, living, risen Savior who has power over death. O oh, death, where is thy sting? Where is the victory? The victory is in Jesus. And he's going to show this to Mary and Martha and the disciples. And we'll cover that in the next couple of lessons. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your teaching of the truth. We thank you for revealing to us as we go through these studies the challenges that people have in recognizing who you are. We thank you for revealing those things to them in such a manner where they truly do trust and believe. I thank you for the testimonies of Mary and Martha in this study that they truly believe that you could do what you said you would do. And they are going to see it here as well, too, as we go forward. And Lord, we learn that the disciples, in spite of being exposed to Jesus for a period of about a couple of years, they ultimately would know who you are, frankly, after you went to the cross and were resurrected again. Resurrected again. And they would see your truth through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for this teaching. We thank you for showing us the importance of how the Spirit leads in our lives and gives us guidance and instruction. Bless us and keep us, Lord, as we move forward. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church. We appreciate you being here today. Take care of yourselves. Um, stay tuned online and the timeline here at 11 o'clock for uh, the message here from this church. And we appreciate you all being here. God bless you. Take care of yourselves, Dad and Delia. We'll see you next time.